Welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to coppreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I'm going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow coppreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. Welcome back to the Coppernewer Path Podcast, sponsored by Elliotoceo.com. I am here today with a very special guest of mine. I know I say that about everybody, but Dr. Michael Gould, I really do mean that about you. I really enjoy you. You're not only a bald-headed bearded brother, but you're you're part of the LEO to CEO community. I've gotten to know you pretty well, and I, I enjoy every conversation with you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Glad to see a beautiful bald man in my yeah. on my computer, besides <laughs> myself. Yeah, except for when you look in the mirror in the morning, right? I mean... Right. <laughs> well, it's good to have you on. We're going we're gonna to chat a little bit today about emotional intelligence and leadership and just some of your own experiences in your copernurial journey, transitioning out of law enforcement, starting your own business. And um, I'm, I'm excited to get into that. So let's start with talking about what emotional intelligence is, because I like, I feel like there's a bit of a foundation we have to lay down there. Now, everybody else, you guys don't know this, but right before we started recording, like Michael and I were, we were sharing cop stories. You know how you guys know how that goes when you get together with another cop, you, you start reminiscing and sharing stories and we were kind of going back and forth and started talking about some of our scuffles that we've had in both of us working in the jail and things like that. And, and we started talking a little bit about this idea of emotional intelligence and why it's important to have a good balance of emotional intelligence versus the, the will I'll say to get into a physical confrontation when necessary. So let's start there. Yeah, you bet. So, Emotional intelligence has been around since the 1990s, 2000. There's two gentlemen uh, on the East Coast, college professors that studied uh, emotions, and they came up with uh, the term emotional intelligence. It wasn't until 2000 that a gentleman named Daniel Goleman, who was a New York Times writer, still is, saw the, the academic paper that these two professors had written and said, whoa, this is something really important here. And so he wrote a book titled Emotional Intelligence and, and kind of popularized the, the concept of emotional intelligence. So lots of variations. Um, since that time, it's exploded in the private sector, even in the government sector, in the military and so forth. But really what emotional intelligence boils down to is understanding and controlling your own emotions and recognizing and influencing the emotions of others. Now, I always give this kind of caveat, especially for our field, given our maybe culture or who we are and who we hire type A and stuff. This is not everybody sit around and hug each other emotions, right? As I've been teaching this the last four or five years, I've come to appreciate. And and my background is, you know, we were talked about, um, you know, the good old days or whatever. I grew up with six brothers. We fought all the time. Emotions were a sign of weakness in my house. You know, my mom, hey, what you crying about? My, my mom was tough. I just grew up in a very... <laughs> non-emotional house that they went into a very, in theory, non-emotional career. 
right? We had to stuff our emotions and go through a lot of crap, yeah, uh, which caused problems later on, which we can talk about. So public safety, regardless of, of, of what field or specific fields are in, public safety really comes down to dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a suspect, a victim, uh, an, an inmate or a justice-involved person in custody, probation, or someone on 911. And from a leadership perspective of, of someone that you have the opportunity to supervisors, supervise if, if you're giving an assignment or you're having a corrective action or a crucial conversation. Those are emotional. But we do very, very little as a profession to train Anybody from the academy on up to executive leadership development on how to deal with emotions, our own and others. So that that's my goal. And that's what I do in, in addition to executive coaching for public safety. You know, I have to admit that there there was a time in my career, too, and in my life where I probably would have had that same initial reaction of, oh, emotion and emotional intelligence means this is some sort of touchy feely thing. Right. And I don't need that nonsense, but, but truthfully, you know, and and maybe this is just something that comes as a part of maturity or age, having kids, man, kids, geez. Being (laughs) married. Yeah. (laughs) If you can survive it. Um, But uh, no, so I think you, you learn eventually, even if you learn the hard way, like, my idiot self did in many cases that we're just emotion driven beings, right? Like we're just wired that way. And every conversation, every piece of communication, it doesn't matter whether it's through a screen like you and I are doing right now in person, uh, via email, text message, every single communication has an emotional response wrapped up within it by the sender and the receiver. Right. It's just, it's just how we're wired. I I guess I think of emotional intelligence being, and you could correct me if like, please, if you have a, I want to know if you have a, a, a better articulation for what emotional intelligence is than this. But I look at it as if I can understand how emotions impact conversation on both sides, then I can be more effective at understanding how to achieve the outcome that I want to see, regardless of which side of that conversation I'm on. Absolutely. And conversations is a significant part of what we do in public safety, right? We're constantly communicating. But I'll just say this too, is in addition to communication is our actions. Why are we doing this? Why is the suspect getting under our skin, so to say? You know, that old adage. Why am I getting pissed off at this certain circumstance? You know, and so our emotions impact our behavior. And so in my workshop, we talk about our thinking brain and our feeling brain, right? And then, you know, I worked internal affairs and I was a chief of police. So I say that with, I had to do disciplines and I investigated accusations of misconduct by an officer. It's not fun. No, (laughs) no, it's not. But then more often than not, if you could go back what you just talked about and I, and with the behavior, you're like, oh, Excessive use of force, discourteous treatment, conduct unbecoming. It can almost always be traced back to an emotional response from that, from the accused officer, right? They were just mm-hmm. pissed. Their, their teenager got under their skin before they came to work. They're tired. Their B partner pissed them off. Their sergeant said something at roll call that might have got them mad. And they just started off pissed. And so they were already on a short fuse. And then they just did something or said something stupid that got them in trouble. You know, it's usually an internal affairs complaint 
rarely boils down to they might it might be under a policy and procedure, but almost always it gets back to an emotional intelligence component. Yeah. So when you're doing this training with with leaders and and law enforcement in general, is there kind of do you feel like there's a I don't know I'm going to say influence like there's an influence component to understanding emotional intelligence. What I wanted to say was like almost to be able to if you understand the emotional aspect of communication uh, on on both sides that you can kind of manipulate that outcome. And and I feel like manipulates a dirty word, right? And so I almost don't want to use it, but, but Influence. I mean, truthfully, Influence. right. And that's why I chose that word. But initially I was thinking manipulate. And the reason I think I went there, Mike, is because in marketing, like, you know, that I'm a proponent of the story brand framework. And yeah, I always, too. we always tell everybody, you know, the, the problem is the hook. You agit if you agitate the problem, you, that's how you hook your potential customer because why it elicits an emotional response. I'm using that emotional response to my benefit. So do you see that being uh, a tactic in, in law enforcement as well and leadership? Oh, absolutely. I, one of the examples I always used, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to, to be part of our investigations division when I was working and uh, would sit in on the camera side or on the video side, you know, watching confessions, either someone suspected or accused of child molestation or more often than not, you know, high profile homicides and almost to a hundred percent, I would say a confession by a murder suspect was emotional. They yeah. weren't thinking in their brain, I got to do this and I got to do that. It was a oh, crap. I'm not going to see my, my kids again. My mom will probably die while I'm in prison. I'm going to, it's going to be in the papers and I'm going to embarrass my family, you know? So everything was an emotional process before, you know, and the, and a good detective, you would see it when you've seen it, you know, either on TV or what have you, you know, they get up close to the suspect, they touch them, they physically connect with them. Yep. There's empathy. And I want to say legit empathy because people can see BS empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so a confession to a murder or a crime you've committed more often than not is an emotional response, not a logical thinking brain response. And that, so that's a good detective, a good patrol officer, probation, correction, whatever will recognize the emotion of that person. You know, we had talked about a situation I had in jail where an inmate broke out a window and everybody wanted to take it up. And maybe it's just because I didn't want a huge confrontation as the lieutenant, the watch commander, and on probation. I'm like, hey, give me a shot. Let me just go talk to this dude. So we went up. I just went up there with the sergeant, just him and I, not the whole, you know, emergency response team, all geared up with the shield and the Arwen, and you know, and we just. I said, hey, do what's going on, and he explained that his, uh, as often happens, his cellmate got out before he did and knew his girlfriend. It was lonely, also. And so he made sure she wasn't lonely and the inmate found out about that. And that he was, was nice not too happy. He was, uh, right. So he was pissed. He was, I'm sorry. He was emotionally upset. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so he broke out the window and he was, he wanted to fight. The natural reaction would have been, Hey, all right, dude, you broke out the window. We're going to send in the cert team and we're going to yeah. this big DEFCON four and yada, yada. And I go, dude, you, you can't, I, I get it. You're pissed. That's bull. That sucks, dude. Right. And I emphasize with him. And I go, dude, we got to take you to the hole. You know, you got to go there, right? And he's like, I know. Okay. Are you going to fight with me? No. I said, okay, do me a favor. Lay down, put your hands behind your back. And the sergeant and I went in there and cuffed him up. No problems. And 
some people might not have been happy with that, but I didn't get hurt. I've been injured on the job. It's overrated. You know, I was off the job for several months getting in a fight with somebody and that person didn't care that I had herniated disc, you know, and was in pain for two years. So there's enough opportunities to get hurt in this job. Why create them? So that's just one example, but we talk interview and interrogation, answering 911 calls. It's hard because you've got to listen to the emotion of the other person. Several studies are out there that a person just repeating what they think the emotion the other person is going through drops the level of anxiety of that other person. So if I just go, hey, Adam, you seem, you seem really pissed off. Are you seem mad, dude? What's going on? And you just shut up and listen. And, yeah. and some people, oh, I went on time for that, or I don't give a crap what that guy says. You never know what you're going to get out of that, you know, right? It's mm-hmm. one, you don't, maybe not have to fight him. He walks himself into handcuffs, right? And you don't have a big Donnybrook or a big fight. You never know when that dude just go, hey, you weren't a jerk that day, Wills. You know what? Everybody else was an Adam Henry to me, but you were an Adam Wills. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you were cool. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. I know you guys are looking for this dude. You might want to check over there, right? right? I've had inmates tell me that stuff, and I I wasn't going around sucking up. I just wasn't a jerk all the time. New Year's resolutions. You either love them or you hate them. You either do them or you don't. Personally, I hate them. I loathe them. In fact... I haven't set really a true New Year's resolution in years. Now, you might make a joke right now about, well, maybe I'm just not a very motivated person. Well, if you know me, you know that's not true. But you know what? Here's the reason why I don't like New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions are so short-term. They're short-sighted. And they're they're just not attainable. Usually, they're just uh, either people set their sights way too lofty or, you know, they're, they're things that are insignificant and people end up just giving up. Right. And that's why most people have no interest in setting new year's resolutions for themselves. Well, this year, I want to encourage you to do something a little bit different with me. I want you, especially if you're a copper and you are either starting growing or scaling a post law enforcement business, I want you to focus on setting some long-term success goals for 2022. Okay. Otherwise, New Year's resolutions feel useless. So I want to give you a system that you can use in order to set more long-term goals rather than the reflexive short-term New Year's resolutions. And the system that I like to use, it's an acronym called SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Okay. Maybe you've heard of this before, but set SMART goals for yourself. Okay, because your long-term goals are going to help you identify when you set good long-term goals, they are going to help you identify what your short-term goals need to be in order to, to attain the long-term goal. And so using the acronym SMART, we want to create goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. So you want to 
Use a level of specificity about what the actual long-term goal is. You want to measure it by some sort of metric, whether that is X number of dollars in sales by X date or X number of new clients by X date, X number of classes taught by X date. Make it measurable. Then make it attainable. You can't set goals for yourself that are not realistic and attainable. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for failure. Set something that's realistic, okay? Uh, and attainable. So those two kind of go hand in hand, the A and the R, attainable and realistic. And then time bound, make sure you actually expect yourself to complete that goal by a specific date or time. That's how you set smart goals. That's how you see long-term growth. That's how you get over the nonsense of new year's resolutions. And with that happy new year and back to the show. So I'd like to kind of go back to the story you were just telling a minute ago uh, about your experience in the jail and use that as a segue, I guess, here a bit, because obviously at some point in your law enforcement career, you recognized that emotional intelligence and probably even teaching that was obviously something that you enjoyed doing, you were skilled at. How did all that transpire? How did you determine that that was something you had a passion and an interest in and, and decide to turn that into a business? Yeah. So I've always been interested in leadership development. I wrote my master, my master's thesis one was on the seven habits and police sergeants wrote my doctoral dissertation. I'm an adjunct faculty member in a doctoral program. I like to teach, but a, a gentleman approached me when I was a chief of police and asked if he could come and teach emotional intelligence. So that's kind of where I learned it. I had heard it before in my doctoral program, but not really applied to public safety. So we came and did a, a presentation, a workshop at my uh, agency, and then we just became friends. And then he asked oh. me to teach for him. And that was about six or seven years ago. He stepped away for a different uh, reason. And then I just kind of picked it up and have been doing it. And for the last you know five plus years, just really trying to apply it to public safety and all that we do. And, and just every day you hear examples of how it's being used and hopefully we can get in front of it. There's a lot of legislation now starting to mandate it, that it's part of the curriculum of the Academy. Um, but it's, it's good proactive agencies and associations are recognizing the need to have it from the Academy clear up again to executive level development. I think you're, uh, your story is a good example, I guess, for other, I, I'll say would-be copperneurs that are listening to the show, uh, guys and gals that are still on the job. Because what I hear a lot from people is that are like, all right, so I'm still in law enforcement. I'm still a cop. And I know I have this entrepreneurial spirit within me. Like I want to start a business at some point, but I don't know what to do. And everybody, everybody gets boxed in to this idea that they can't do anything else. And in your case, you didn't really plan. <laughs> you didn't really decide, oh, this is, this is, I'm going to start a business doing this. It kind of fell in your lap, but yet you had that skill all along, obviously, because you just get told that story about your experience as the Lieutenant in the jail. So I, I think, I guess my point is, is that for anybody listening, that should be an encouragement to have you stop and, and pause for a minute, take a look at what you're good at, 
what you're and that doesn't have to just be what you're good at on the job. It can be what you're good at in your hobbies and, you know, in your personal life. But the, the opportunity is right there in front of you. Some of us, myself included, Michael, so I'm not just picking on you here, but some of us like <laughs> Michael and I almost have to be thumped over the head with, oh yeah, I could teach that or I can do that thing. Right. So just a bit of encouragement. If that's you, you're listening to the show and you're like, man, I, I want to do something and I don't know what I guarantee you that it's already right there in front of your face. You're just not paying attention to it. And you need to take a look at and assess yourself and give yourself some credit. Yeah. And, and you've had a, a guest on before. I remember it was a gentleman from England talking about how he had gone into this side business. And just to echo what you're saying is you, if you can find something that you love and I don't know if it's woodworking or home construction, if you can do that within the bounds of your agency's parameters while you're working, man, do it. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Like you said, you never know in this job if you're going to get hurt or you just, you're, you're part of the great resignation. You're like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. And you yeah. get out while you're, before you become disgruntled and you're forced out or, you know, you just leave on bad terms. So man, if you can find a skill that you can develop and use outside of the job, more power to you. Yeah. Cause it, I think, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I think it brings balance and appreciation for, you know, what you do on the job is because not that we're government workers, but, you know, hey, we get paid together regardless of the economy's doing great or, you know, what have you for the most part. And, and if you can have a little empathy for maybe the mom and pop store that gets burglarized, you're like, man, that must suck. That's your income. And if, if you're a solopreneur and something happens to your business, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, I, I urge everybody just to be prepared, ha, you know, have a, have a plan in mind, you know, don't, don't just float through your career thinking it's, it's always going to be this way. And I'm going to hit my 30 years or 20 years or whatever your goal is, ha, have a backup plan. You know I mean? Um, and, and even if it's not a backup plan, it's an actual plan plan, right? Like I, I, I personally, and I know a lot of other copernewers that, uh, doing better off now, uh, that left their pensions behind and, and have a better retirement to look forward to because of it. And so, and that's not to knock it, but you know, have, have a plan. And I, I want to make a quick note too, for everybody that's listening and wondering, cause you mentioned a guest, uh, on the show previously, and anybody's wondering, and wants to go back to that. Um, it's episode number 48 and you were speaking about Tom wheelhouse, and Tom wheelhouse. He was a, he was a cop in the UK and he left law enforcement and now he started an organization called Mitify. And what he, his whole purpose is to help cops identify how to like UK cops, how to identify their skill set that they already have and turn that into a business. And so, yeah. One of the things that I've always kind of been a proponent of and implementing, it might be a struggle within our, within the police culture in, in the United States, but man, if we could take a sabbatical, Right. But if you had a, a fallback job where there was some type of, hey, you could come back and it's just an idea, a bald man's idea. But, hey, I, you go be a teacher for a year and you decompress from all the crap that we've seen as cops. And if after a year you want to come back, that's great. Or you need a little more training. But if there was a way to go out and be a truck driver or private security, an airline pilot, whatever, you always had that skill. I, I think it's a benefit for our job because the job takes its toll. And usually 
it's people who haven't been able to like decompress or whatever, right? And it builds up in the stress and all the crap we've seen. And they do something dumb that tarnishes the profession in them. But if there was a way that they had a side job or something that they could fall back on and do it for a year, then come back. And it wasn't all this HR rigmarole and decertification and certification. They left on good terms. They just said, hey, I need a break for six months or a year. And they could go do something and come back. The profession benefits, our communities benefit, the employee benefits. Yeah. And, and we have a better profession and better communities. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So it's kind of the new year here. I mean, as we're recording this, it's it's January 6th uh, as we're recording today. But if you follow me on LinkedIn, you saw probably a post the other day. I hate New Year's resolutions um, because they're always short-sighted. And people give up on them because they are short-sighted. They never so, last. So I'm not going to ask you what your New Year's resolution is, but I do want to know, like, what's in store for Sitna Solutions for 2022? Like, what are you trying to achieve this year? You bet. From from a solopreneur perspective, and I'll, I'll say this is, so one of them is I really want to uh, pick my executive coaching within public safety. It's been in the private sector forever, and I still am kind of breaking down barriers of attitudes like, oh, you get a coach, that means you screwed up, and it's the exact opposite, right? Professional sports athletes have coaches that help them with the small things so they can be great. And uh, so one is is increasing the number of uh, executive coaching clients that I have. Um, I have a coach, a business coach that we meet three times a month, and I'm paying him, and so it's a so great thing. It's not... It's not a bad thing. And then the second one is is really um, getting out in the emotional intelligence space. My business partner and I are actually in the final stages of coming out with a, a public safety-specific emotional intelligence assessment. So it's all geared, all the examples and definitions are all geared towards, towards public safety. So those are the two things, more workshops and uh, more coaching clients. Excellent. And you had you had a special offer you wanted to share with our audience today, didn't you? I do. So for the first five people that will reach out to me via email at michael at sitnessolutions.com and use the code word, we'll mention this podcast, but then also we are going to do Adam is beautiful. So if you use the code <laughs> word Adam is beautiful, I will give you, I'm providing the first five people a free one half hour coaching session with an assessment. So, and, and there's a couple different awesome. assessments that I use. So that's about a $500 uh, bonus, but having, being a member of the Eliota CEO community, I want to give back and, and further the great work that you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you for offering that to our audience. Obviously, you know, personally how important the audience, this audience is to me. And uh, so thank you for that. So guys, take advantage of that email, Michael. Again, it's Michael at sitnessolutions.com and we'll have his uh, email address in the show notes of this episode. You can go straight to the podcast page for the Copperneur Path podcast by going to cpp.fm. So that's CPP for Copperneur Path podcast. So cpp.fm. Um, and that'll take you to the podcast page and you can find uh, Michael's information there. Why don't you leave us with a closing thought and let everybody know how to connect with you outside of email, maybe social media or, you know, wherever. Yeah. Uh, go to my TikTok channel. I'm yeah. a great dancer. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're going to see me. Uh, uh, no. Uh, final thoughts, man. I'm, I'm Jack Handy. You know, 
I, I, we're at a really important time in the public safety space with all the stuff that's going on. And I believe in being proactive. And so as association, chiefs of police, sheriffs, FOPs and lodges and DSAs, we need to come together as a group and go, we need to get in the forefront of what needs to change within our profession instead of having it dictated by people that don't have a clue with what we do. And I, yeah. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Some of them have good intentions, but unfortunately, I think there's a lot of legislature that have no clue with what we do. And they want fairy tale and unicorn endings of bad situations. And they're more than happy to blame it on the police instead of the bad guy. So we need to get in front of it as a profession. In conjunction with that is I am waking up and hopefully we as a profession are too is we're in the people business, but we have neglected for a very long time the training of all of us on how to deal with people. We just take it for granted and we're doing a whole, we're not doing as best as we can. And I'm not just trying to toot emotional intelligence because we just need to, we, it, it, there's so many components, but we've got to start training our people and providing them the resources on how to do with other people because we just take it for granted and it, and it not a slam on this generation. They were just raised with cell phones. So they communicate with text. I get texts from my kid downstairs and I'm like, come to my office, talk to me face to face. And that's not this generation, right? But right. it's going to come. I think it's going to create problems because we don't respond to calls over text. We don't deal with inmates over text or probation or probationers or, you know, or 911. We, we are talking to people for the most part face to face. And we've got to do a much better job of training all of every, all of us on how to deal with people. And, and, and I was saying frontline people, maybe insinuate, but we've got to do that with supervisors training and, and, and executives and chiefs because there's still that gap where I believe that people who have promoted still treat people who they supervise as suspects and we mm. don't treat them like the employees that they are. And it creates huge problems. Yeah. Awesome. How can you get a hold of me? You ask. Yes, there Sorry. you go. <laughs> My bald guy. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn uh, at Dr. Michael Gould and I don't have a TikTok channel. I apologize. Maybe one day I'll get one. Don't hold your breath. Um, do so I'm on LinkedIn. And then my website is Sitna, uh, S-I-T-N-A, SitnaSolutions.com. And there you can find all about me, resources and uh, workshops that are coming up and reach out to me that way. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It was great having you. appreciate my it. My pleasure. Glad we finally got to do it. I agree. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leotoceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other copreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number, and you'll find all the links, descriptions, and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.